0: Dr. Misha and Martin. Welcome to the Work Human podcast. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm also doing all right. Uh, and that is more than I can say for the workforce yeah. at this moment. We are here to talk about the latest Work Human IQ survey, which is titled The Great Resignation. Mm -hmm. So dramatic, right? Yeah, not a very uplifting (laughs) title. (laughs) Anytime a phenomenon starts with the great, you sort of brace. (laughs) Exactly right. Uh, And unfortunately, it is a bit of a dun-dun-dun. It is. Because I'll start here. This is the biggest takeaway. Mm -hmm. According to our survey, Almost four in 10 people report Mm -hmm. that they are looking for a new job in the next 12 months. Here are the most common responses for why. I want more flexibility. My salary is too low. I want a better job title. I want a better work culture. And I no longer want to work for my manager. Yep. So very generally, what is happening here?
1: There are a few things that are happening here. So first of all, work changed for a lot of us, including myself, A lot of us were working from home during the pandemic and we never did that for an extended period of time before. So we got used to all the great things that come with that, right? No commute, more time with family and people that you love. You're able to take a break and go to the kitchen and make yourself a healthy meal as opposed to you know sitting in the Chick-fil-A line for an hour and hoping that you make it back to the office on time. And so we've gotten used to these things that we want to keep. And so it makes sense to me now that people are saying, hey, I want some of these things that I've become accustomed to in my life. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, it was a really tough time. And when times get tough, you see the metal of the people around you. You see their true character. I think the same is true for organizations. I think some leaders and organizations rose to the challenge, and some, frankly, did not, right? And so I think now that things have loosened up and people are starting to get more comfortable moving around. They're seeing the same things that we are in the media. They know that people are leaving organizations and there are more opportunities available. So I think that if organizations and leaders did not rise to the challenge of the time and left their employees disillusioned, this is a great opportunity for employees to say, you know what, I'm going to seek a better leader and I'm going to seek a better culture and I'm going to seek more flexibility.
0: Yeah, this is one of those times. I mean, the percentage of four and 10 is would be one of the biggest shakeups to the workforce in mm-hmm. decades, mm-hmm. at least. It does seem like people, employees are trying to claim more power. They yeah. have gotten a taste of this life where, oh, I don't have to go into the office every single day to get my job done. I can work hours that aren't exclusively in that nine to five window, why would I go back?
1: Isn't it time though? I think it's a great time for all of us to challenge the assumptions that we had about work. Before the pandemic, so many organizations said this just wasn't possible. And then we had to figure it out and guess what? Lots of people and lots of organizations thrived. We really saw the extent of human creativity and we saw that we could make it work and do well with
0: it. Yeah, we're at a point where technology has allowed us to adapt to that pretty quickly oh, and yeah. it just seems silly to ignore those tools and say, well, it can't work. It's like, well, we can just handle it with Zoom yeah. or whatever Google Meets or whatever else to collaborate with one another. Yeah,
1: human sec- hen- human-centered human technology is king right now. Not technology that just allows you to do something but not to connect, not that stuff. No, the stuff that allows you to get something done and connect while you get something done. This is the era for that. It's time.
0: Yeah, it does seem like the pandemic, it sort of, like you had said, uh, accelerated what was already possible and sort of forced people to make that change. So. Mm before this, we had Zoom, we had Skype, poor Skype, Uh, (laughs) Zoom really (laughs) ate its lunch, but it it, it existed. And so Mm -hmm. this could have been done before, but they needed a push. And so they got the push and now employees were like, well, I've been pushed. I don't want to, I don't want to be pulled back. So just for context, I thought this was interesting. So four out of 10 right now, looking for a job in the next 12 months. Uh, In December, 2019, we did another survey. At that point, a year and a half plus ago,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. 92% of workers responded that they expected to be in their role for at least a year. Mm -hmm. 59% said they planned to be in their role for the next five or more Mm -hmm. years. So a huge difference that 18, 19 months can play.
1: What a difference a pandemic makes, huh?
0: (laughs) It's true. Never (laughs) thought we'd say that. (laughs) So there are two groups of respondents of note that really stood out in their response. The first is working parents Of all job seekers, 65% are working parents. School, daycare, a number of other activities that sort of serve as supervision, they are at the very least unsettled still. Uh, They might even be gone or just not in a place where the parents are comfortable uh, participating to that same level. What do companies need to do to help working parents in particular to get the flexibility they need and to feel less stressed overall?
1: So the first thing I want to acknowledge is what the data already told us. And the data told us what we kind of already knew, that working parents were having a really tough time. You know, they had to figure out childcare and homeschooling at the same time when they were trying to do their jobs. What was interesting to me though, about the data that challenged my own personal assumptions was that there were no difference in stress levels between mothers and fathers. They were both experiencing that. And so I think that that is important to get out there to kind of dispel the stereotypes that working fathers don't need support and that they're not going through the same things. No, it was all parents. They were pretty stressed. They had a rough time. So now to the part of of your question about what employees can do, what employers can do. I feel like before we were impatient and not very accepting You know, when you would hear a child cry or somebody said they had to go pick up a kid or, you know, when you saw a kid on camera, it was kind of perceived as unprofessional, right? Like you don't have your stuff together and that's personal life and this is work and they should be separate. I think the first thing that organizations can do is change that. We can collectively acknowledge and show empathy for what parents were going through then and what they're going through now because there are still challenges for parents today. Also, as you mentioned, flexibility is important. I think the more we give people, um, the more they reciprocate. So if we can give flexibility in terms of maybe you don't need to be online nine to five. Maybe you can flex your hours based on what you need to do at home. When we do that for employees, the effort and the engagement that we get is reciprocated twofold. There's so much to be gained from that. So I think that those are a couple of things that organizations can do for parents.
0: Yeah, I've been, I'm sure you have as well, and for many people listening, have been on a call with a parent where a kid comes on the call and I can assure you that no parent is like, oh, good. They're here to interrupt yeah. this meeting. Yeah. No one, I mean, they're just as stressed. They don't want to add that to the meeting, but extending that empathy, mm-hmm. even if it is just a micro moment of just like, Oh, Hey, what are they up yeah. to today? Just like showing this is not an inconvenience. I understand that this is part of your life that yeah. you have to deal with right now. It's not ideal. And we'll work through this together. Yeah. It goes such a long way.
1: I'm delighted when I see people's kids and pets on camera because I feel like honored that they've chosen to share this extra part of their life with me. You know, they didn't have to. I just had a meeting with my direct report, Erica, and her dog, Stanley, is always on our meetings. And I just love it. I always see Stanley behind her.
0: Taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) Right?
1: And he's like, "Mm, you're boring. Let me go back (laughs) to sleep. Um, But You know, it's a way for us to connect as humans and see past what it is we we accomplish for the organizations that we work for.
0: Yeah, and it's a very candid connection. It is Mm -hmm. not often, and not that this is the case for many, but... It can feel like sometimes in this meeting, it's like, okay, here's the small talk portion and we're going about our weekend. Let's do
1: the icebreaker, shall we? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but this is a way where it's like, this f- kind of just thrusts yeah, you into that. It's
1: organic. Exactly. And authentic.
0: And that is sort of the mm-hmm. key to everything. Yeah, isn't it? I agree. Uh, So the other group that stood out in their response is black employees. They were the most likely to want more flexibility and a different manager, the least likely to want a better work culture. When our psychological safety report was released, you mentioned that for many, there was a collective sigh of relief when they went to work from home. They could take off the mask. They could turn off the code switch. Are these results further proof of not only that, but also a lack of eagerness to just go back to where we were in 2019 and before?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, black employees have some some pretty unique challenges. And obviously, you know, as a black woman, I personally identify with this one. I think, you know, I've had a lot of time to think about this. And I think that our natural, stay with me here, our natural phenotype is so different from the eurocentric standards of professionalism and beauty that it's that it can be really difficult for us. So I know I talk about hair a lot, but think about how different black hair is from white hair or f- for any other ethnicity, right? And so I think about, you know, our kinks and cornrows and dreadlocks and how we feel bringing that into the office and wondering if that's going to be accepted. Just about a day ago, you know, I was on Facebook and saw a post in a group that I'm in for black women. And there are still people entering the workforce asking, should I wear a wig? Should I straighten my hair? I've been wearing it natural for five years. So this lack of comfort makes it safer for us to just be at home with the camera off if we don't feel like we're going to be accepted exactly the way that we are.
0: Yeah, and I really recommend to anyone listening to listen to the rest of you talk about psychological safety, which you can do on workhuman.com, because it is impossible to remove psychological safety from these results. It just seems like there is still a lack of psychological safety broadly, and these results are just further proof. Of that, and absolutely, uh, yeah, you can hear uh, much more on that topic, and I recommend it because it really does start there. If you want to fix these results, it's about building a a safer, uh, a psychologically safer uh, work environment. Now, in the survey, it was the findings were, you know, disheartening. It's disheartening to know that so many people are ready to leave mm-hmm. that because it is a lot of time and a lot of energy that goes into your job as is. And if you Mm -hmm. don't like that, it's even more. And then if you wanna find a new job, that is like another job. So it's just a lot of stress that these people are feeling and it's disheartening that it's so many. But one of the things we wanted to do was figure out what is working. So what are companies doing to keep employees engaged? What were some of the findings that stood out to you in
1: that area? So I'll start here. organizations are part of the societal fabric of every every country, right? It's just part of the fabric of every society. And people spend a lot of their time at work. And I think these results show us that collectively organizations have failed people. They have failed to provide the community that we have an opportunity to create when people spend so much time together. So I think that <laughs> that 4 and 10, you know, that was the main finding that struck me, you know and, and also the finding that the people who are struggling the most, parents, blacks as examples, are more likely to leave. So it just reinforced to me this idea that we have so much more to do and we have so much further to go. So what do I think organizations can do? I think they can bring that human connection and humanity back. Let's take down this wall between personal and professional and let's celebrate those things that unite us as humans, kids, pets. You know, I think previously, you know, the best companies were companies that celebrated work accomplishments, right? That was considered um, revolutionary or best practice maybe about five years ago. But can we extend beyond that and not only celebrate what the human brings to the what 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 the human does for the organization, but transition to also celebrating who that human is as a person. All this uniqueness that is embedded in each person, we need to bring connection back, you know? And I think once organizations do that, that will create community. And people do not easily leave their communities.
0: And to your point, like if you do celebrate that human aspect, they are more likely to be more engaged, yes. to be more productive, to achieve greater things because they will feel like they belong. The right. the stress and the the mind space that goes into not feeling comfortable is removed, and yeah. you open that up to yeah. doing their job at a higher level.
1: It is natural for people to want to contribute to communities that they feel connected to. Think about other communities, right? People who Um, affiliate around social justice or, you know, a church community. Once you create a community, people want to be there and people want to support the community.
0: So for gratitude and recognition specifically, uh, Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about not just doing it reactionary, but making it a habit. Mm -hmm. And that way it feels more authentic. When it's in the fabric of the business, you do not feel like it is just, a Band-Aid. You right. feel like it's part of the operation. So what can leaders and organizations do to make recognition and gratitude a habit?
1: I have feelings about this. Right. So I'm really glad you asked because so long throughout my career and even in current day, I hear leaders say, you know, we need to recognize when people go above and beyond and not just for doing their jobs. And I'd like to challenge that. What if we shifted our thinking to recognizing for above and beyond to recognizing as a performance management tool, right? Because when you recognize for above and beyond, I think that that promotes, you know, a culture of burnout and firefighting and you always have to do more. It doesn't exactly reward um, working smarter and not harder, You know, it reinforces a bunch of effort without a focus on impact, in my opinion. If we changed our thinking and thought about, I love the word that you used, habit, how to make good behaviors a habit and how to use recognition to do that, it's easy. Recognize any behavior that you want repeated. If somebody is doing something that is particularly impactful to an internal or external customer, It may not necessarily be outside the scope of their job, but it's something in their job that they did well that you want them to repeat, recognize it. Fully utilize recognition as a performance enhancement tool. Anything you want repeated, recognize it. And I think that's how it becomes a habit for leaders. And that's how good behaviors become a habit for individuals because what gets recognized gets repeated.
0: And the survey results bear that out. Yes. Of survey respondents who were recognized in the last month as opposed to never, they are twice as likely to be highly engaged, three times as likely to agree their work has meaning and purpose, four times as likely to agree their company's leadership team is appreciative of their work, four times as likely to be happy at work, and three times as likely to say their company culture got better during the COVID 19 pandemic. They're also less stressed. Yes. That is a company wide impact. I know. That. You could do right away. And it really is not, oh, we need to change the entirety of our business. The The payroll needs to be reconfigured. It's like, no, these are just actions that you could take
1: immediately. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, regular check-ins, another thing that we are big proponents of. That was also found to be a pretty powerful tool in helping uh, employees connect uh, and for leaders to help employees work through roadblocks, hit their goals, etc., in your mind, what does a successful check-in look like? What's what's the breakdown? Yeah. Of
1: I like to say that a successful check-in is generous. And what I mean by that is that it's not just focused on, you know, what you want out of the employee, right? You're not just going through a checklist of, okay, what have you done for me lately? What are your goals? What is your progress? I'm not saying that that's not important. It's necessary but it's not sufficient, it's not generous. And so what do I mean by generous? I mean, genuinely ask the person how they're doing. Don't do it because some article or Misha Ann said you should do it and you don't really care, no. Do it because you actually care about how they're doing. Ask how they're doing and then listen. Actively listen, like ask follow-up questions, engage. You know, like you would do with any human you want a relationship (laughs) with, like, Connect, you know what I'm saying?
0: These are such crazy ideas. I, I know Spewing. I'm really throwing it
1: out there today. But I, by, by being generous, I also mean giving of yourself. When you emote with your direct reports and you know, admit that you're scared or that you're stressed or that you're struggling with something, that creates the space for them to do the same. So create an environment that encourages this give and take um, that is not just only focused on what the person is doing for you and the the organization, but also how they're feeling. A couple of things I also recommend. I recommend a check-in about what the person is finding challenging. In my career leading people, I have found that sometimes direct reports are struggling a lot with things that you don't even know about. If you don't know about it, you can't help. So ask the question, what are you challenged with? What are you struggling with? What are some barriers to helping you accomplish this thing, You know, or just your goals in general, or just your role in general? And then on the other side of that, I also recommend checking in about what the person is finding enjoyable. Because if you as a leader know what kinds of things your direct reports like and find meaning in, you can keep giving them more of that and make their work experience better.
0: Yeah, coaching is a term that we use mm-hmm. to really describe this because, and this is something that resonates with me as someone who grew up with coaches, they do not just say, here's what we want you to do at the beginning of the season, and then back off and you mm-hmm. don't hear from them until the end of the season. They go, okay, here's how you did. They It is this constant give and take. Mm-hmm. There is connection. You hear any professional athlete yeah. uh, or anyone who deals with a coach talk, About what success looks like. It's when they make that connection. It's when Mm -hmm. they feel like they can go to them with a problem. If there is, and again, it comes back to psychological safety. Do you have the comfort to say, I am running into this issue or are you having, do you need to provide feedback to the manager themselves to Mm -hmm. improve how that check-in is going or how that relationship is? It's such a huge part.
1: Yeah. I think great coaches are also good about understanding context So if I know that a direct report is going through a hard time personally, you know, I might be like, okay, so this is why this particular thing is happening that may not necessarily be a representation of their best. Let me see how I can support them and move certain things out of the way so that they can focus on this personal thing. Because you know what? That is going to lead to a gratitude that will reciprocate an effort later on.
0: Yeah. And that gets, it touches on without diving too deep into this, like celebration of mm-hmm. events. It is nice to celebrate if someone gets married or they get a house or they have a kid, yeah. but it's also a recognition. Those are incredibly stressful processes. Right. It is not a very easy thing to plan a wedding or to prepare to have a baby or to move. Those yeah. are huge things. And there has to be some empathy that maybe not all of their brain space is on their job because these huge life events are happening to them. Exactly. So just further proof that check-ins are extremely effective, the results show with weekly check-ins, workers are twice as likely to see a path to grow in their organization, feel meaning and purpose at work, trust their manager, feel a sense of belonging at work.
1: Check-in and great things happen.
0: Pretty uh, powerful Recognizing Recognize
1: and great things happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's really all it is. My final question. If there's ideally a lot of the people listening here find themselves in psychologically safe workplaces, they're nodding in agreement with all of the things <laughs> that you are saying. However, there is a chance that someone is listening at a company who does not feel that. Who, four in 10, maybe? Maybe four in 10. Okay. Perhaps. <laughs> I don't Just know. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, if those people are listening, if they feel like their company is feeling the effects of the great resignation, if they themselves find themselves in the four in 10, what are some of the things, if they are in a position to influence how the company is operating, Yeah. what are some of the first things they can do to turn things around?
1: I think listening is the answer. And I mean that on different levels. So the listening between an employee and their leader is very important, as I described above um, or before. That is the first line of defense to know if there's something going on with the employee, right? So a discussion about challenges or barriers or what's going on in their life. Another form of listening is to listen at the organizational level, right? What are people not getting from the organization? And if you start listening after people have left, you started listening too late. So I would suggest a continuous listening strategy as just a thing before anything happens. Because it gives you a heads up on what's happening that may cause people to seek opportunities elsewhere. So a carefully designed employee survey is great for that. Also, you know, recognition data. And what we find working with clients is sometimes things come up in recognition data that you wouldn't necessarily think to ask about in a survey. So consider active and passive forms of listening when you're really trying to get the tone of the organization and get in front of the things that may cause people to seek opportunities elsewhere.
0: Yeah, you really can't address a problem until you know what exactly. that problem is. And listening plays a huge part. And speaking of listening, that's all, but thank you all for listening. <laughs> Mishan Martin, thank you so much for joining.
1: My pleasure
0: you can hear more of Misha and Martin talking about psychological safety. You can read the entire great resignation report on WorkHuman.com. You can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to them, but that is all for now. Thank we will check you in later. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.